Welcome to the Shifted Podcast and Video Series. Each week, we connect with teachers to hear their stories about teaching and learning during a global pandemic. We focus on shifting practices, digital tools and resources, health and wellness, maintaining balance, and supporting our students during these challenging times. The Shifted Podcast is from the Greater Victoria School District in beautiful British Columbia, Canada, and is recorded on the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations. Hi, Coachelles here, MCA. Asa Yuchelipton, Chilea San Lekwungen. Asa New Chilita, Asa New Shualakwa. Aishkwa Kwansana Techel Lakwagantanuk. Aishkwa Siem Nequilia. And that's a traditional language of our people, the Lakwagan dialect. Good morning, my friends and family. My name is Butch Dick. I'm from the Songhees Nation, the land of the Lakwagan people. And I would like to express the gratitude to the Greater Victoria School District for recognizing the traditional territory. This used to be the territory where other neighboring nations came to harvest herring and smoke herring before they returned to their land. And uh, Lekwungen Tanuk just means the land of the Lekwungen people. So we thank you very much for this opportunity, expressing gratitude for people that come to our territory and visit our territory. And we always lift up our hands to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Shifted Podcast and Video Series. My name is John Hamlin. I work with the Greater Victoria School District here in beautiful, uh, today it's sunny Victoria, British Columbia, which is the traditional home to the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt Nation, upon whose land we live, we learn, we work. And today we're going to have a great conversation with John Harris and Emma Milliken from our SD61 Indigenous Education Department. Now, John is our Indigenous uh, or, or elder and Indigenous knowledge facilitator, and Emma is our Indigenous learning support teacher for secondary schools. And over the course of this series, we've been talking um, primarily with secondary folks, but the, one of the themes that has been uh, running through our conversations is, is how are we maintaining a semblance of community and connection when we're, we're faced with so many challenges to that connection piece. We're not meeting in person the same way we once did. We're not able to connect as easily with individuals. We have these all of these different digital tools now that we're connecting with. And while they're fantastic to you know connect people in, a, in an easy way, you don't get the same level of personal connection that you would if you were sitting in circle or sitting across the table from somebody. So um, perhaps, uh, Emma, if you don't mind telling me a little bit about what secondary has looked like specifically from your perspective this year, and uh, what ways that you've been trying to maintain connection with your students and your community and your, at, uh, I know you're primarily working out of Spectrum uh, and also our Indigenous Ed Department here at the district office, but what, what's that look like for you this year? So, uh, yeah, working most of the time out of Spectrum um, and uh, it's it's definitely been uh, much more challenging than, than normal because uh, you know, a lot of what I do re relies on having to make connections with people, um, with families, with students, um, with, with staff members, 
Um, so just like everybody else, um, it's it's we've had to really rethink how we do what we're doing and um, and get really creative sometimes around um, making connections with with each other and with students and families. Um, I've been really lucky to be able to be part of the district and Indigenous team uh, this year, which is really, I know it's helped me personally be feel connected um, to like just with a, a smaller team there. Um, because at Spectrum, it's just Paul and I, Paul Thomas and I, Paul's the Indigenous counselor that works, but he works at five different schools, so he's not there all the time. Um, so it's been also nice to have that connection to other Indigenous, um, you know, staff uh, that we're, we're meeting. And even now, you know, we're, I'm only there a couple of days a week, and right now we're not even seeing each other very much, but, um, but it's just still nice to have that more intimate connection with people that, are, that you're working with. Um, so it's definitely been, been a, a challenge. Yeah, you have to kind of take what little connection you have and make the most of it. And how about you, John? I mean, mm -hmm. especially working with elders and elders um, in community, you know, it's you're not just going up and sitting down on their couch and having a cup of tea anymore like you may have been in the past. So what's what's that connection been looking like for you? Yeah, it's been it's been unique um, this this year um, and challenging in in many ways. So, so much of our culture um, kind of revolves around food and coming together and, and sharing meals together and, um, you know, and working with elders, you know, they'll always say you go and do the work in person, you know, you never call, you never um, email, you never uh, Zoom, you, you go and you talk to the person face to face. And so that's pre presented some real challenges in working with not only our elders, but how our elders work with, um, you know, their, their communities. Um, you know, and I think they've been so gracious um, in this year in their understanding of the situation that, um, you know, we're in really unique, challenging times. And so, you know, when I first started to um, correspond with them, I would call and say, you know, the first thing I would say is I know I'm supposed to be doing this in person, but I, I'm just doing it this way because of the situation we're in. And they, you know, would understand that and would be okay with that. But um, it's far from ideal. Um, but the fact that we have, you know, elder engagement and community engagement is, is so exciting, um, you know, that we're able to maintain those connections and those relationships to community. Um, you know, there's been some kind of uh, interesting workarounds when it comes to like food, for example. Um, last week, they did the uh, recruiting camp for uh, Camosun and UVic. And so what, uh, what UVic did was they actually sent out um, uh, to, to schools the invitation that if they wanted to order food for their students that they could get reimbursed for it. And so that was a way that um, they were still able to provide the, the food for students who were coming together for that um, event um, and, and do it you know, COVID, COVID safely. Um, similarly, at events that I've been to over the course of the year at schools where we've done different activities with classes that involved um, coming together for food, um, we would order, you know, individual kind of prepackaged like individual pizzas, for example, or prepackaged subs that were ready to go. So, um, you know, we've had to get a little creative with that, but uh, we've been able to, you know, still maintain some of the semblances of our, you know, our, our cultural traditions. Um, in the in the midst of this pandemic, which yeah. is which is good. Yeah, I, I'm having flashbacks. This is totally off topic, but I'm having flashbacks to this bare naked lady song. If I had a million dollars, and it says they make pre wrapped sausages, but they don't make pre wrapped bacon. But <laughs> um, in terms of um, 
<laughs> there's our, our random side note for the, for the conversation today. Um, <laughs> in terms of like students specifically, Emma, I, I, I've, I know that there has been um, probably a higher number of Indigenous students that haven't been connecting with schools as significantly during this pandemic. And um, I'm just curious in terms of like what you've been doing or what outreach, outreach you've been engaged with to try and bring keep keep at least something connected to those kids uh, as they're you know not not showing up in person in schools mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's definitely been a huge challenge um and part of it too is as families are trying to decide it's been so difficult right to know when to send kids to school when to keep them home um, so there's been a lot of, you know, students will come for a bit and then as watching the numbers, if the numbers get bad, then they pull them back again. So sometimes it's hard to even know who's, who's there, keeping track of who's at school and who's not at school and how to support that um, has been definitely one of the biggest challenges this year. Um, but one of the good things that's come out of that actually is that not just for me and Paul, um, like we've, I think what we've done is actually upped our our contact with with families and with um, like if we can't contact families by email or phone we've actually been going out and knocking on doors and going to people's houses just to make sure just to keep that contact going and saying letting people know that we're here um, and that we're you know we haven't forgotten about you and um, and it hasn't been just Paul and I doing that there's actually I've been so um, you know just it's just been great because the spectrum staff have been really good I think teachers in general with all students at going after those kids that aren't um, aren't surfacing or aren't appearing in classes and taking the time to phone and taking the time to we even have some teachers that have dropped off packages at students homes and you know still you know we, we did that a lot last spring which I think helped because teachers were doing a lot of that and it kind of got them comfortable with it and so now it's it's continued um, this year when students aren't always you know able to come into the school for different reasons um, teachers have been really good about volunteering to go drop off stuff at students' uh, houses and homes and, and just keep the contact going. So um, I think it just really is, has been helping with that relationship between our Indigenous families and just the, the school community, um, kind of help making that stronger and, um, you know, letting, letting everybody um, just feel a little bit easier about being able to do that and having that connection. So yeah. that's been a really big plus. I bet. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, potentially at the end of all this, we might emerge with a more close knit and stronger community than ever before, based on all of the increased mm -hmm. level of connection that's had to occur to maintain, um, maintain that throughout the last year. Um, in, in terms of other, mm -hmm. um, you know, pieces like that, you know, uh, John, specifically with your community connections, and I know that you've, um, you know, there's a few different projects that we've been involved in getting uh, Elder Butch Dick to do a land acknowledgement and, and things like that, that we, we can, you know, support multiple different parts of our, our school district with those resources. Um, what other things have emerged over the last year within your department that um, you think, well, you know, these are things we probably will keep regardless of when or where or how the pandemic will end. Like these are little things that we'd like to maintain moving forward in the long run. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to just speak to the question that you had with Emma there a little bit, because um, I, I know that uh, I think part of the community connection piece wasn't as, as difficult of a transition because uh, through social media, really, um, you know, uh, a lot of families I've worked with in the past and, and, and continue to work with 
um, I have on Facebook. And I know that there are some uh, colleagues around the district who have actually started um, like work uh, Facebook accounts to connect with community, you know, at different schools. And so they have like, you know, uh, their, their specific Facebook um, work account and then they uh, add all of the, the parents and families that they work with. And that's actually been one of the, the most effective ways to stay connected um, and to communicate with, with community in my perspective. So, um, so that hasn't been that difficult of a transition. I've still stayed really connected that way. Um, in terms of things that you know, have projects and things that have arisen out of, out of this you know, situation, I think you know, I, I look at examples like our, our um, Bentwood Box learning series, for example, and how we've been able to reach a really broad audience of, of educators around the region. Um, but also, you know, around the province, you know, um, it's really exciting to see that um, these, uh, these teachings, these messages can be really far reaching. Um, you know, usually when we're doing a presentation for like a Pro-D event, you know, there'll be anywhere from a dozen to, you know, 30 people in the room, um, which, is, which is awesome. But uh, at the last uh, Bentwood Box Learning Series that, uh, that we did, um, we had, I think, 90 people in the room, and that was also... Um, recorded and so it's been viewed multiple times as well so that's really um, kind of uh, even emphasizing that message even more and broadcasting that message even further beyond our school district which is exciting um, you know I think uh, it's caused a lot of our our colleagues in our department to really connect outside of our our school district you know we're connecting with colleagues in in 62 and 63 um, you know, out of, um, out, you know, off island school districts as well. Um, so uh, the, the amount of connections and the ability to connect through, through uh, platforms like Zoom and others has really, uh, I think, one, one area that will stay, maybe not to the same extent, you know, of Zooming three or four meetings a day and six hours of Zooming. But, um, you know, I, th I, I do see um, those, those kind of video conferencing opportunities um, staying for, for uh, far beyond the pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, I think even in the first session of the Bentwood Box series, there was well over 100. Like, I, I think I remember seeing the number of being 150 or 160 people that were attending. And, you know, there's no way we would have been able to do that in person, you know, back, back before. Um, yeah, in, in terms of increasing access and transparency as well, it, you know, it, it allows people to um, you know, share that learning, participate at their own schedule. If they couldn't make it at that particular time, if they had life commitments or something that were, were preventing them from doing that, it still allows them to feel connected to the work that you're doing and, and see what's happening. And I think, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I really hope that we, um, yes, not Zoom all day long because that Zoom fatigue is real, but um, yeah, certainly maintain aspects of it because it's, um, yeah, it really is, I think, a huge asset in our inclusive toolkit in terms of, you know, opening the door to the work that we're doing. So yeah, that's it. And, you know, I was going to mention too, this, the social media piece as well. Um, it's true. Uh, it's, it's amazing how prolific, especially platforms like Facebook are in small communities. And um, for years, I think as educators, we've been a bit afraid to dip our toe into that pool because 
um, you know, there's, you know, it's like having that personal private divide. And, um, you know, especially when, you know, I know when Twitter first came out, educators are really keen to use Twitter because everything is sort of public. There's nothing, you know, you have messages and things like that, but there's not a lot that's behind the closed doors. Whereas Facebook, there's a lot more of those um, messages and certain things, but um, I think, uh, I think it's, it's true that we really need to broaden our scope of communication tools um, in order to meet people where they're at. So if that's the, the tool that that community is using already, we can't expect them to adapt to our way of communicating. We need to be able to adapt to, to meet them where they're at. Um, any, uh, any additional thoughts from that secondary specific lens on the shift in your role this year, Emma, and, and perhaps some things that you'd like to maintain moving forward, even once we get through this pandemic on the other end? Oh, well, I was just thinking, I know, um, besides like communication, um, I know that teachers have had to also become in, in general, but very flexible around how they do things like deliver their lessons and um, assess like assessment and how they come up with marks. A lot of that's had to really shift and become very quickly. Um, they've had to really broaden um, how they how they do everything. So I think that's beneficial for sure, um, just in how, you know, whether they're doing things remotely or we're sending packages home for kids or we're just, um, you know, I think just like say meeting students where they're at. Um, I think that the pandemic has sort of given us license to do that more. And I'm hoping that that will continue for sure because I really feel like that is gonna benefit um, a lot of our indigenous students, um, you know, just as they move through the education system. So. I think that's really going to help. Um, that's been a good thing. Um, and I know things like land-based learning, um, you know, we've been trying to get students out um, outside more and be outside more ourselves. Um, I think that's across K to 12. And it's, it's been a little more challenging, I think, for uh, grade, you know, high school um, because we're so classroom-based. But again, I think that's that shift in thinking is good too. Um, so trying to, to think about how we can be outside more, how we can be on the land more, um, I know like John and um, Dave, Dave Davidson have, and, and a number of other people have been doing a lot of outdoor ed and land-based learning um, kind of series and uh, things. So I just think that that's, again, we're, we're going towards a more indigenous approach when we, when we do that. Um, we look at what land-based learning even means and, and how effective it is and ways we can use it. Um, again, I, I really hope that's gonna continue um, just increasing as we move through this. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the quarter system at secondary two, we really have so much more flexibility to consider approaches like that because, you know, you know, when you're doing a class for 80 minutes, the transition time to be outside and all that, it's, it's tight. You're trying to squeeze everything into a short period of time. But when you stretch that out significantly, mm -hmm. I think that really does present yeah. multiple different entry points and opportunities to try out new things like that. So that's great. That's uh, the way you're thinking. I hope, mm -hmm. I hope to see more of that in the, in the years to come here. Um, and John, definitely you know, uh, speaking um, in terms of uh, what, what do you think the future looks like for Indigenous education in the next couple of years here in the Greater Victoria School District? I know we've had a little um, bit of strain on some of our relationships to community due to um, issues this year. Um, so what, what do you think the future looks like from your perspective? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, hopeful. Um, 
I think it was a big shift this year that we went through from a, our department standpoint, you know, adding positions and um, adding, you know, capacity really. Um, I think, you know, this, this work really is so important and it not only benefits our Indigenous students, but all students in the district. Um, I know I've been to many schools uh, this year where I've been in classes where there were no Indigenous students and um, how appreciative the teachers were to have somebody in the classroom, you know, or, or zooming in or providing some uh, Indigenous knowledge or perspective on, on um, education or, or different topics. It's so valuable. I think those are the really the experiences that that um, students remember, and I speak, you know, I say that as you know, a student for 18 years. Those were the experiences that I remembered. You know, um, was the, the in-person ones, the um, the really personable, relational ones. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with some really amazing classes this year, including, like Emma mentioned, the uh, land-based learning program. Um, that uh, David Davidson's uh, helping facilitate. Next week, we're gonna be going uh, clam digging and we're gonna gift those to our elders. Um, so a little bit of reciprocity there. Um, and, uh, and also um, because uh, Marianne, uh, or one of our elders actually came in and shared some beautiful gifts with, uh, with the class. Um, you know, we spent a, an hour and a half or two hours down at Goldstream and she just shared some beautiful teachings with them and also gifted them all with an eagle feather. Mm. Um, and so uh, in, in, uh, in reciprocity for that, um, we're gonna go out and do some clam digging and gift her some, some clams so that, uh, you know, to show that we honor that relationship. Um, so, you know, that's just one example of many that I can highlight from the year, but, uh, you know, there's some really amazing things happening already this year, um, you know, growing capacity for presenting um, and opportunities for, for um, professional learning. Um, I don't think we've offered so many professional learning opportunities in a year that I can remember. And I, I you know, for working um, at, you know, various schools over the years, I was always really drawn to uh, opportunities for uh, Indigenous learning and um, professional learning opportunities. And there would only be maybe one, uh, a Pro-D, um, that was really kind of uh, heavy in that area. So, and um, so uh, to be able to provide that now for our staff and uh, around the district, I think is so powerful and it's empowering. And we've had a really great response from our, our different, uh, you know, sessions that we've run over the course of the year. Um, a lot of really, uh, a lot of gratitude, you know, a lot of, um, um, connections happening, you know, where historically we haven't had connections at certain schools or, or uh, areas of, of the uh, district. Um, for whatever reason, maybe it's because we have less Indigenous students there, we don't have staff in those buildings. Um, we've really created a lot of connections at different um, schools, which is really encouraging, you know, we're really, um, I think, you're starting to kind of pull together um, as, a, as a district, you know, in terms of our approach to Indigenous education, which is really important, you know, all of our students, like I said, benefit from it. Um, all of our students deserve that. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, remind people that the first people's principles of learning are just good principles of learning, you know, and if we can bring some of that to our, you know, our, our school district in various ways, I think everybody's going to benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great point to make. And I think it's such a common misconception that first people's principles of learning are, are about incorporating 
indigenous content into classes. And while that can be what it looks like, it's not just that. And like you say, it's often good, good principles of teaching and learning that you, you'll open any teaching textbook and you'll find some something that very similarly aligns with what you'll see at FPPL. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit about your carving project at Reynolds? Yeah, um, so we did some carving a few months ago uh, and then just recently again, um, we did uh, some mini paddles and, uh, and then last time, which was a couple of weeks ago, we did even smaller paddles. And um, so there's a lot of, I mean, you know, uh, going back to the first people's principles of learning, you know, really kind of uh, outlines indigenous pedagogy in many ways. And, and one of those areas of indigenous pedagogy is kind of teaching through doing or teaching through creating, you know, some of the most impactful teachers that I've had in my years um, have, you know, been teachers who were involving um, creating artwork, you know, weaving or, or carving or harvesting. Um, so it was always done through activity, um, you know, through, um, through action. And so that's a really powerful teaching tool that I use to, to teach students, um, you know, about like things like the potlatch ban, you know, um, you know, teaching them about artwork while they're doing artwork and then, and then teaching them about how all of the artwork was taken over years through, through the potlatch ban and, and raids in communities is a really powerful way to convey that message that students can really resonate with. Um, you know, I talk about my, my family's involvement in revitalizing our art form in Sinanemuk, you know. Um, my grandpa has been going to the archives and, and uncle for um, the last 40 years, you know, researching our old, our old designs and, um, and bringing those back. And with that comes the language and the stories and the history of our, of our land and our people. So it's, you know, it's actually, you know, a resurgence of sorts of, um, of culture that uh, is brought back when we do these things. Um, you know, we have other examples of um, amazing things happening in the district, like the Carrie Newman pole over at Oakland's that um, I'm helping support right now. We'll be drumming um, and singing with uh, 60 students at that pole unveiling ceremony in May, which is really exciting. So, um, you know, there's really great stuff happening. Um, a lot of it, you know, is, uh, it is impacted by by our you know COVID and, and our pandemic situation, but um, that being said, we're you know we're a resilient bunch you know uh, educators and and uh, and our communities and um, you know we'll we'll do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. So yeah. It, you know um, it's exciting. Yeah, in, indeed, Emma. Um, Speaking, uh, you know, John mentioned events coming up in May. Now there's a Pro D Day coming up at the end of May, uh, and with an Indigenous education focus. Could you give us a little, uh, little more insight into what we can expect to uh, be on offer on that day here? Um, well, I think um, we're. I think we're still just working on that uh, right now. So. I'm kind of hammering out the finer points of what we're actually going to be doing. Um, and I know, I know schools are also working on their own. Um, like I'm, we have a meeting at Spectrum to talk about what's coming up at Spectrum for May as well. So I know we're going to be having offerings um, like from the district um, in May, but then also I think schools are also working on their own, um, their own things that they want to focus on as well, which is really good. 
um, that can be um, led by, from either place. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, John. Do you know if any more details about that? Like, we don't need, we don't need to do spoilers, or? but uh... <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a few things in the works. I've been you know cor uh, corresponding with uh, various uh, kind of community partners and and people who are working mm -hmm. with our department closely on some offerings. I know that they'll be offering, you know, like the Bent in the Box um, series uh, that have been recorded and archived. They'll be showing those again if, if you'd like to engage mm -hmm. with that. Um, you know, I just had a teacher actually message me on Monday saying she was just watching it for the first time and how awesome it was. So, um, so that was, you know, great. And I know that uh, there's still, you know, teachers don't have a lot of time to be, you know, uh, doing that, mm -hmm. that type of um, stuff. So anytime, any chance they get, they really... Um, really are grateful for that. So it's nice just with these protees to be able to slow down and take some time and, and do some, you know, some self-care work, some professional learning, um, because I know we all really need that um, given this, you know, the circumstances. But uh, unfortunately that day, I was hoping to be able to present something, but uh, I'm supposed to be doing a, a Sterner's uh, canoe with, um, mm -hmm. with uh, Sonia over at Shoreline so we can start expanding that big canoe program there, so. Well, that's still a mm -hmm. really exciting project. Yeah. yeah. Um, makes me think learning requires patience and time, right? That's right. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you two have any uh, closing thoughts or things you'd like to share before we uh, wrap things up today? Um, I just I just wanted to kind of reiterate what um, you know you and John were talking about there about you know all the all that kind of work he's doing around uh, the polls and the uh, all, that, all that cultural work that's still been going on. Um, I know over the last year there was there's sometimes been a feeling like teachers are just in um, you know not just teachers educators any any of the staff that's working people have just been in kind of survival mode sometimes um, and not feeling like they have a lot of energy or time to to do anything extra as far around a lot of extra prody stuff. And yet, um, like, like we're saying with the Bentwood Box series and different things that we've had going on, um, I think people have still been really wanting to, to, you know, to do all the things that are going on. Um, and, you know, when I, that's part, just the teachings that I have from our own culture, from my own culture and my family are um, kind of would have gotten me through a lot of this, um, which is really just about being connected to people. Um, the connections are so important. Yes, the, of course, the curriculum is really important and the learning is important. But I think as we, like, in the over the next year or two, we're going to have to be doing a certain amount of recovery with students who haven't been able to be in schools or who have, you know, there, there are going to be gaps in some of the learning. Um, and I think just making sure students know that there's always a place for them at the school in the you know in our district at the schools that there are people who care about them that the families know they're not you know they're they're belonging and that they're they're part of our um you know our bigger family um i just think that connection piece is so important for students and staff um just to to get us through this so that and that it's okay like even with the quarter system um i know teachers were kind of stressed because we had to cut out some of what we would normally do. There wasn't the same amount of time for all of the learning um, and the teaching. So a lot of teachers were feeling that pressure of, well, what do I cut out of my, my course here? It's all important. Um, and, but I think the, the, the big lesson when you stand back is the relationships are really important. So as long as you're making your classroom welcoming for students and you let them know that they're cared about 
and you make the teaching that you do meaningful, you know, then, then it's, it's all going to be okay. Um, you know, the, the patience and time is a really big piece of that, but yeah. we'll, we'll get there together. We'll get there eventually, yeah. but, um, and it's okay that it's not going to be look perfect. Um, it's, you know, it's really mostly about knowing that you're, you're part of a family and that you're cared for, I think is the big, the big lesson that keeps me up going every day. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, Shelly, Nimi, our principal, consistently talks about our family here in this in the school district, and that I think that extends far beyond just our staff. That's everybody, and um, you know, the, the longer this pandemic drags on, I, I know the the longer students are disconnected from schools, it's going to be harder and harder to get over that hurdle mm -hmm. to get back and to and to regain that connection and to reassure yeah. them that we got you, we got your back, we know you're going to have mm -hmm. gaps. We are still here. We're still waiting for you. We got our arms open right. and we can't wait to see you again. Um, that's such an important message to send mm -hmm. out. So thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. that. Any uh, final thoughts from you, John? Uh, just ditto. Just, I mean, Emma <laughs> just really encapsulated everything beautifully. I think um, it's about relationships. Number one, we've known that for many years, you know, in our, in our work, Emma and, and myself and and our colleagues, you know, it comes down to, you know, um, just knowing, you know, having a, a really positive, strong relationship with the, the students and their, their families and the community. And um, <clears throat> I see that, that relationship piece being more recognized now, um, now more than ever, um, the importance mm -hmm. of that. Um, so I hope that continues because, you know, uh, it takes a village to raise a child, you know, and I think it takes our entire education you know community to to do the best job we can for all of our students um so if we're mm -hmm. all you know i always say the more adults that are on board in a, in a student's education the more successful they're going to be and i i wholeheartedly believe that you know so if we have everybody on board you know pulling together um these kids are going to be in a really good really good situation um regardless of what you know where the gaps might be um, you know, we can fill in gaps, mm -hmm. but, you know, we can't um, manufacture relationships. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much for your time this afternoon. It was a really enjoying, enjoyable conversation. And um, yeah, I feel a good sense moving forward and with, with you two involved and the rest of your department, I think we're, the future is looking really bright. So thank you both for your time. Thank you. Miigwech. <laughs> Thank you for watching or listening to the show. You can find all of our episodes, leave us a voice message, or send us any questions or comments at our website, shift-ed.ca. Until next time, take care. <laughs>